Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about what the Catholic Church teaches about divorce and annulments. That's right. We're going to look at the words of Jesus on divorce. We're going to look at all the grounds for annulments in the Catholic Church. We're going to look at divorce rates in uh, the U.S. population, and we're going to look at the Petrine and the Pauline privileges. So if you've always wondered what the church actually teaches about divorce and annulments, well, let's stick together and find out. dig in here. Thanks for being back on another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Uh, good to see you guys. It's always good to see you guys. I'm glad that we've stuck together for the kids. I know. Yeah. We care about you. I mean, what what more can we say? Yeah. It's for the kids. It's, it's for, for the, the kids. Do it for the kids. If it weren't for the kids, I would have left you guys a long time ago. That's right. But <laughs> all of you, our children who enjoy our show, we're staying together. And that's what yeah, we're talking yeah. about today is... Just for you. Divorce and annulments. Mm-hmm. People who don't stay together. Mm-hmm. And this is a really... A very serious issue, though, um, facing our society and our culture. And it's one that I think in the face of a lot of the, I guess, culture wars that are going on right now between uh, same-sex marriage and abortion and uh, politics, that the fundamental and grave issue of marriage between Catholic people does not get enough discussion because it really is probably more of a detriment to the body of Christ than just about any other issue going on right now, including those ones that maybe get more high-profile news. And compared to 100 years ago, I mean, the divorce rates in the Catholic Church are through the roof. When you think of a World War II generation or World War I generation Catholicism, you know, they, they stuck through everything together. And most definitely, you know, we could look at culturally what gave rise to, uh, you know, divorce and, and what contributes to it. I, that's how I always prepare my couples. I always express to them the three leading causes of divorce being finance, sex, and religion. And religion thrown in there is a, an important point because, you know, a lot of times religion is the one thing that a lot of couples avoid even discussing before entering into the state of marriage because it's just not important to them in their early 20s. But down the road when they start having kids and they want to start raising the kids Catholic, it can become a crossroads of one party not showing up to the Sunday mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about that state, right? Like what is the state of marriage when, when two Connecticut. people... <laughs> <laughs> Connecticut is for lovers. <laughs> oh, no, that's Virginia. Connect. I Connect, cut. I cut. That's right. I live on a street that has Connecticut in the name, and I have to, every time write it out, I go, Connect, I cut. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd misspell it. Connect, I cut. Okay. Same thing like Wednesday. You have to say Wednesday. 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 February. February. <laughs> anyway, divorce and annulments. Yeah. I mean, what you're divorcing, you're... What, what you're annulling, what is the state, right? So it's kind of like we, we should probably like look at what happens to a couple when, um, you know, they get married and, and in the Catholic church, what makes it a Catholic marriage and, and what makes a different union? Well, I mean, in the Catholic church, marriage is one of the sacraments. This is not like how general society views marriage as a temporary thing. This is a vow. This is a sacrament of the church that you're making before God. And 
in the church, in the Catholic church, the sacrament of marriage is the only sacrament that people affect on each other. They are not, the priest does not perform the sacrament of marriage. He mm-hmm. witnesses it. Mm-hmm. You are performing the sacrament of marriage on your spouse. So it's a really unique sacrament in that respect in that it is the only sacrament that we have a very unique participation in both in its affect, but also in how we live it out. Mm-hmm. That that is for married people, uh, a sacrament that happens every day. Mm-hmm. And for a priest as, as a witness of that marriage, you know, I sign my name down on the documentation, yes, to make it legal civilly, but I'm, I'm stating as a priest that this is something that God is joining together. That's why I really love to spend time in prep with the couples going over a lot of different materials to discern, is God truly calling you together? And is God the author of this, of this beautiful bond um, that we will, you know, that, that ultimately you will, uh, you know, confess with a living faith, your undying love for this, for this person. So it's, it's important to realize, you know, granted, you know, so many people that I grew up with went through divorce, you know, divorced families. I come from a divorced family. You know, it, it's um, there's grounds for annulment. There's grounds for and reasons why people separate. Um, What's and, the difference between an annulment and a divorce? I think that's the fundamental question that, that would be most good... people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get into that, I think first we have to understand what a marriage is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you were to find out what a marriage is, it means there's a commitment between two parties, right? With free Our will. commitment to you, your commitment to us, is to go to the Catholic Talk Show website at catholictalkshow.com. Check us out on all of our platforms. And most certainly, we give you thanks for contributing, especially to our Patreon family members that support the show and help us to continue to reach new markets. We do that because of your generosity. So we thank you so much for being patrons. And for our new patrons out there that are interested in giving, please go to patreon.com forward slash Catholic talk show, and you could support us there. And thank you so much for being in a great bonded relationship with us. Yeah. Say I do to becoming a patron. <laughs> that's a, that's a good way to put it. That's what you should have said. I know. I know that I, I lean into you every whiff. now. With <laughs> big whiff. Uh, so, so a marriage, as defined by the catechism in the church, is it's a, a matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole life is by its nature ordered towards the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant is between baptized per- persons and has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity, dignity of a sacrament. Now, some things in there that really... Um, point out what marriage really is, is that it's a covenant between baptized persons, right? So you asked, well, what's the difference between a divorce and annulment? Um, Baptismal state has a lot to do with that, um, with differentiating divorces, annulments. Um, But a divorce and annulment, so a lot of people think of an annulment as a Catholic divorce, and that is not at all what an annulment is. A divorce... There is no divorce in the Catholic Church. You cannot get divorced because uh, we go by the words of Jesus himself um, in Matthew 5. He said, but I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Uh, There is no divorce. And he talks about how in the Old Covenant, men were able to divorce their wives. 
And he says that Moses allowed you to do this out of the hardness of your heart, Mm -hmm. but he, Jesus, in his authority, abrogates those, um, those, I guess, concessions towards the hardness of people. In the new covenant, those are not valid anymore, commanded by Jesus himself. So no Catholic person can legitimately get a divorce. So, and what an annulment is, is just rendering the fact that what was once held to be valid, it's, it's essentially nullifying that there was no grounds for true love and that you were meeting the conditions for marriage. So yeah, and an annulment the conditions are like, you know, you have to have a free will, right? Like you have to be acting. So the conditions for it to be valid are the spouses are free to marry so that they aren't in a previous bond. They're capable of giving their consent to marry. They freely exchange their consent, and in consenting to marry, they have the intention to marry for life, to be faithful to one another, and to be open to children. They intend the good of each other, and their consent is given in the presence of two witnesses before a properly authorized church minister. See, and I think one thing to understand about annulments is it's not something that the church grants necessarily. It's something that the church certifies and recognizes an annulment really is the recognition done by a proper uh, ecclesial research and, and mm-hmm. canon law mm-hmm. that a valid marriage was never contracted. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So and that's why you have tribunals out there. Right. Yeah. And there's an evaluation process between the person who is presenting the case and, and you know, seeking the uh, annulment. And, you know, going back and forth between the parties and really discovering what was uh, yeah, missing. That's a, that's a tough thing to go through. I've known a few people in that process. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. difficult. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, with recent encouragement from Pope Francis and efforts done by judicial vicars around the country, as well as the bishops, I think that we're taking steps in the right direction. And what I share with people, you know, I just walked with a couple most recently and, you know, it tests, it tests the patience with the process and um, it, it can be challenging where, you know, very impatiently we, we, uh, you know, try to rush toward what we want. But at the same time, if we go through the process, it can actually be a very healing process really? and it can enrich the relationship of, of these people with one with God two with the church, and then hopefully prepare them for entering into a state of marriage that is valid. You know, and one of the things, um, so there's a lot to annulments, right? And and we'll unpack those throughout the course of this episode. But understanding the difference between divorce and annulments is very fundamental, right? Uh, The church uh, in the catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2382, between the baptized, a ratified and consummated marriage cannot be dissolved by any human power for any reason other than death. Death is the only thing that can grant uh, the dissolution of a marriage. Death. Death. That's it. So death do us part. That, that mm-hmm. actually used to mean something. And <sighs> there's, there's a lot of nuance with uh, uh, divorce and annulments. So we'll get into that. But I think the thing that we really need to address is the societal impact of what divorce is having on, on individuals, on, on children. Uh, there's just generations of children being raised without a mother and a father, and it's causing so much brokenness and so much yeah. hurt in this world that uh, it, it can't be overstated the impact that's having on our society. And if you look at the societal decline that we've experienced in the last 50 years, 
I mean, it is tracking very much alongside divorce rates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, the children, a lot of them psychologically think it's their fault or that they did something wrong because they look at that union of a father and a mother and, and they look at the love that's supposed to be between it and reflecting back upon them as a nurturing, you know, uh, sign of, of God, you know, as, uh, you know, and, and so when you fracture that, a lot of kids just feel like, you know, well, it breaks them. Yeah. It just I breaks mean, them. A child should have their mother and their father. They should be excited for Christmas morning and have mom and dad both there. They should be excited to have mom and dad both there for their birthday parties or to take them their first day of school or yeah. to have dinner with them at nights. That is the the good of the child necessitates that a wholesome environment that is that is powerfully nurturing both from the masculine sense in the father and the feminine sense in the mother. And it gives that environment of nurturing by way of the affection that comes uniquely, but collectively as, as marriage to the, to the fruits of marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, the church, I'm sorry, the family is the domestic church. Mm -hmm. And when the mother and father divorced, that that's a schism in the domestic mm -hmm. church. And that's, mm -hmm. that bears terrible fruit in children. I mean, I, my heart breaks for all the children out there. I know you are a mm -hmm. child of a divorced family. I mean, mm -hmm. what kind of impact did that have on you? Well, I mean, it, it certainly, you know, has an impact because of, you know, just different desires that you have to be close to your, to be close to your father. If your father and, and your mother divorce and, and you're living with your mother, you know, for me, I had, I had the great example in my grandparents who, you know, really put in a ton of time and, you know, my early years all the way up to like my early teens, um, they were there every single day. And even when I went through high school, I mean, they were still super supportive. So that was helpful. But at the same time, there's there's a vacuum in, in it all, you yeah. know. So, you know, like you're you're searching for the constancy of fatherhood. I mean, it's the divine plan. It is the way that God created us is mm -hmm. to have a mother and a father and a family. And it's something fundamentally lacking when that's not available and I know that your your grandparents had a great deal uh, in effect in raising you, but our generation, mm -hmm. our generation is the last generation that have grandparents that aren't divorced. I mean, the next generations, uh, Gen Z, and yeah. their grandparents are probably going to be divorced. Mm -hmm. By statistically, their grandparents will be divorced. They're not going to have the safety net that our generation had that assure parents are divorcing, but they at least have stable mm -hmm. grandparents to save mm -hmm. the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's uh, the problems. Like I, I think, you know, I, I'm a divorcee, right? Mm -hmm. I guess it was, it was considered a defective form of marriage. Mm -hmm. So I got mm -hmm. into the seminary, I had to go through mm -hmm. the tribunal. That's the output was, was this uh, defective form of yeah, marriage. So it was a lack of form. It was a lack of form. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so that was just because we got married in like a Baptist church, mm -hmm. which eventually mm -hmm. burned down. No Did really right yeah. after? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was right after the divorce. But, uh, you know, and, and I got married well, for all the, the wrong reasons. Uh, was it the ex-wife? <laughs> Possibly. No, I mean, it's it's like you, you go into this relationship and you I mean, really had really had the wrong idea about what a marriage was. Mm -hmm. And this was before my conversion, you know, until, you know, I encountered Jesus and then decided to follow him in the best way I knew. Um and I look at the difference between my previous marriage and then the marriage that I have now where, you know, 
she and I discerned marriage together, you know, in prayer. And, you know, of course we, we had a, you know, love for each other, affection for each other. But at the end of the day, it's like, I don't want to marry anybody that God doesn't want me to marry Mm -hmm. because that, because that's kind of bringing him into it. And, you know, and that's, I've seen that. I see the difference between it. And I think that's what a lot of people do is they, they get married for the wrong reasons. Thank God the the Catholic priest said, no, I'm not going to marry you Mm -hmm. guys. You know, mm-hmm. thank God he said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll no, be forever you, the, grateful. The Catholic priest would not marry him. He would not marry me. I, say, a, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard that story. It was the guy at Resurrection uh, wow. he, who uh, lost his wife and then became a priest. I oh yeah, Father. Sh- um, uh, oh man, fa- yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he he was just like mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm Catholic, you know. And he's like, you going you mm-hmm. going to mass? I'm like, no, not quite. You know, and he just looked at me. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm not, I'm not marrying you guys. Mm. That's all That's all he said. He's like, you're not, I'm not doing it. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. And yeah. he said, don't go to another Catholic church either. He says, this is, you're not, you're living in sin. And, you're, and I was like, whatever. You know? wow. So those, but those would be grounds for an invalid marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. A marriage that the church would not has yeah, my, recognized my, as having actually been uh, contracted. Right. My previous marriage is not considered a, a it's not a marriage. form for you marriage. Were, Really, I mean, you weren't married. Though. I was playing dress up. Mm-hmm. You weren't married. Right. I mean, civilly or in, in civilly, your mind, yes. you may have been yeah. married, but according to God, uh, you weren't. Yep. Yep. So that, that's a, you know, the distinction that I think people miss with divorce and annulments is that you weren't married if you've gotten an right. annulment. Mm-hmm. Right. And marriage is sacrament requires both willing and active participation right. in respect to both parties. Which is what Jen and I did. Exactly. I mean, so you're living out your sacrament. Yeah. 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 So there is, uh, in the canon law, there are grounds listed for a marriage annulment, right? Um, and they're pretty well defined. So some of them are the insufficient use of reason, that you and your spouse did not know what was happening during the marriage uh, ceremony because uh, mental illness, lack of consciousness drug abuse, like so people go to Vegas and get right. drunk and get married, that would be a grounds for annulment for the insufficient use of reason. Uh, you have the grave lack of discretionary judgment concerning essential matrimonial rights and duties. So you or your spouse were affected by some serious circumstances or factors that made you unable to judge or evaluate the decision to marry, right? Yep. That sounds That's, kind of... Yeah. Right? Uh, you have a... Uh, incapacity to assume marital obligations because of serious psychological disorder. So if you are uh, psychologically or, or, or have some psychological issue. I wonder what that means for like people who are battling with depression. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, really. Well, that's that's a, one of the things that a lot of the cases of annulment are getting a lot more wide open. And I think pretty famously the Pope said something to the effect, and I want to get it right. I'll get the number somewhere later in the episode that most marriages are not actually validly contracted mm-hmm. because there's so much baggage in the world that, um, yeah, the, the depression or lack of understanding of what they're actually getting mm-hmm. into. Now, I think that is a bit, and and don't take the word this use of this word wrong, but I think that's too liberal of a reading. And I, I would, I don't think the Pope is binding me to that statement, but I think that's a wrong statement. I don't think most marriages are invalid. But I get the point he was trying to make. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Um, and it's a it's a pastoral point, and and that's what we have to keep in mind too, especially when Pope Francis is sharing. I mean, he shares very pastorally in relationship to the people that he served, 
and he continues to serve and and having that pastoral sensitivity is ultimately the most important thing that I try yeah. to employ in my priesthood is just meeting people where they are and I can't tell you how many couples that I've met that you know they have every grounds for divorce and it comes down to the question is do you want to work on this relationship or not right. do you want to bring bring this faith into this yeah, relationship because for a lot of these people they they didn't have faith when they got right, married right, right. they didn't that's love common. jesus they didn't, you know mm-hmm. that's so common yeah. they they went because their parents were pressing them to do that right. or they wanted to or, whatever. or they wanted whatever you know yeah. and that's what they've always dreamed they went to a catholic you know they were a flower girl or whatever and and that's what they've always wanted whatever it may be the maturity level of somebody in their you know mid 20s or early 20s and, you know, it's like there's a desperation there. I want to be with somebody. I don't want to be alone. And I'm willing to look past certain things just to be able to have it. Yeah. And I see that. I see that in a number I've, of people. I've seen that in some really people close to me where um, they were heading towards the altar to get married. And uh, the guy was like, I don't think I should get married. I don't think this mm-hmm. is right. And he's like, but I'm going to probably go through with it because this will break her heart because she wants to get married. And I Oof. said, I said, dude, wrong idea. That's the wrong idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's if she's so hell bent on being married, I guarantee that if you do the right thing here and don't marry her in the church when you don't have the intention of staying with her, she'll be married again within a year or she'll get married within a year. And sure enough, within like a year, that girl was married. And now this guy went on to have kids and he dodged that bullet there because he had the actual proper proper discernment. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking to that, uh, Canon, uh, 1095 30, that I'm sorry, section one, 1096, the ignorance about the nature of marriage. And I think this is what Pope Francis was talking about, that most marriages today could be ruled invalid, that you or your spouse did not know that marriage is a permanent relationship between a man and a woman ordered towards procreation of offspring by means of some sexual cooperation. Most marriages today probably could be invalidated by that because they don't have the full understanding of what marriage is. So that's the grounds that a lot of people are going for annulments now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of other reasons, fraud, um, willful exclusion of children. You, you know, one of the spouses said, I don't want children. You can get an annulment for that. Uh, willful exclusion of marital fidelity. So you had no intention of being monogamous and being faithful to your marriage vows um, you know, willful exclusion of marital permanence. You wanted to get married, but you had no intention of being married forever. So there, there's a lot of reason. Force, you can't be forced into a marriage. So if someone, shotgun marriages are not valid. Those are grounds for mm-hmm. annulments, right? Or fear. You were you married someone because you were afraid that if you didn't, you would be physically abused. Things like that don't allow for a marriage to be properly contracted. Um. So those are all in the canon law. You can find those, and I can put the link to that. But those are reasons that annulments happen. Now, what happens when uh, a person wants to get recognition from the church of annulment? They go before a tribunal, mm-hmm. and then the tribunal will... Well, in essence, you meet with your pastor, your associate priest, or there's a number of um, task forces there, too, in, in different parishes where a number of the laity who have either gone through the annulment process to try to give you a sense of support. So if if you are going through the process of divorce and and seeking annulment in the church, then you know what I always recommend is 
before you even sign the papers and get divorced, come see the priest. If you go through your marriage preparation in the church and you meet with the priest a number of times, you should probably meet with the priest before you process a, you know, a divorce. So that's right. first and foremost, um, to get the support there before you take those steps and to help you, you know, there, I, I, I know a family that went through uh divorce and then got remarried again, divorced and remarried again. And the kids are always on a roller coaster, you know, and, and that's not healthy. Mm. Um, you know, but anyway, you start there at the parish level, you fill out information. We send that to the tribunal for review and then the tribunal will begin the investigation and the conversations between parties. And then ultimately it will be sent back in the affirmative or not, you know, to, uh, to move forward. I just got an affirmative letter just the other day and, uh, you know, was able to bless this, this couple that have, you know, striven to do what's right in relationship to the church. Now, when you say affirmative, that mm -hmm. means that they, the church or the tribunal, has the church found affirms that there is, yeah, the, the nullity of that factor yes. of that okay. relationship. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Th there's, uh, I, I've got the, the blessing of knowing two guys who are in an annulments uh, or trying to get annulments um, in both scenarios, the wife left and it was mm -hmm. just like, that's it. And, um, and, and one of them, you know, didn't get it. And he was pretty upset. You know, because he's like, you know, look at me, I, I've got, you know, I can't date anybody or whatever, you know, and, and then well, um, you can date somebody, you just can't get married and you have to remain chaste. Right. And, um, and, and then the other guy was, uh, you know, he's like, I can't, I know I can't get an annulment and my wife is in sin right now and I'm praying for her. And, it, and he waited almost 20 years for her. Wow. And she eventually came back. Really? Yeah. It That's was a powerful. beautiful story a really beautiful story of, you know, because it's like, it's not what we want. If it's the, the gnomon's not there, it's not necessarily what people are looking for. Mm -hmm. And, and because of it, you know, you have a lot of people who just rebel and say, this is just dumb. Yeah. So my hands for down. example, some of the terminology in the, um, obviously keeping the people's names, um, from, from this, that's but, good. Yeah. The tribunal of the diocese of St. Augustine rendered an affirmative decision on the petition for the declaration of nullity in the above named and numbered marriage nullity case. So that's the term, the canonical terminology. Mm -hmm. So they got it associated with. So they essentially yeah. got the annulment, which would then, which would then open them up for a bond or, you know, a, a, a new bond. Is there some responsibility that's kind of been overlooked of people who are pre or priests and, and who are preparing these people for marriage? I mean, is there, you know, like the guy that I went to, if he was just like Mr. Happy Priest, like, yeah, sure, I'll marry you. Like, is is there is there some training that you guys went through or where? Well, absolutely. You, I mean, there's marriage preparation and pre-cana and all it, that. It's it's very very detailed. So I mean, how yeah. much of how, so you how much of a portion of your activity as a priest is towards preparation of marriage? I mean, it's a substantial. Part. It's a substantial amount. Yeah. And and granted, it it ebbs and flows, but mm. you know I've got I've got easily seven seven files and a few messages already preparing me for 2020, um, requesting that that I would uh, prepare a couple. I take it extremely seriously. Yeah, you know, and and if there's a couple that needs more time, they get more time. Now, granted, there may be priests out there that don't take that type of proactive stance, mm -hmm. but you can't get around the prenuptial questionnaire. 
You right. can't get around going okay. through the impediments of of marriage. So you have to go through each and every single impediment and ask the question, you know, are you related by blood? You know, are you forcing this person into marriage? You go through yeah, all that. of these different all yeah. of these different steps. And then on top of that, you go through the focus inventory where you're inventorying this relationship and you're mm-hmm. looking at their social dynamics and you know, you're you're really inquisiting in the sense of questioning and really trying to come to the truth of what is this relationship and how I can meet you where you are and walk with you and 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 continue to cultivate the yep. sense of relationship with the church and what the sacrament is in relationship to marriage. So there's a couple other things that I think we should talk about that a lot of people get wrong about marriage. Um, number one is that Catholics can't get separated. Um, if there's a situation where one of the spouses at, is at physical danger or grave psychological danger of the children, um, separation can be a valid, uh, a valid approach. Um, and the catechism says the separation of spouses while maintaining a marriage bond can be legitimate in certain cases provided for by canon law. Um, it also says that if a civil divorce remains the only possible way of ensuring certain legal rights, such as the care of children or the protection of inheritance, it can be tolerated and does not constitute a moral offense, which mm. I actually have never heard that. I've never read that in the catechism. That's interesting. That a civil divorce, even though it's still maintaining the marital bonds, is something that the church can allow strategically if it provides for children being... Um, if there's a greater good. Well, maybe if you have a marriage with a uh, between a Catholic and a non-Catholic, and the only way that the... Uh, one of the spouses can raise the children Catholic is by through a civil divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, then the church would likely then in that situation say that that is a illicit thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that a lot of people had get confusion around is the reception of the sacraments for divorced people. That yeah, is, like that's a very, communion. yeah. Who can receive communion if I'm divorced, if I'm separated, mm-hmm. if I'm remarried, who can receive communion? I think that's a really, uh, that's the thing that there's not enough clarity on. Mm-hmm. Do you want to offer any clarity? I, I know a woman, God bless her, man, for years, she stayed committed to her husband, even though her husband left her. Mm-hmm. And she remained steadfast. She never went into another relationship, went to daily mass, never received the Eucharist because she was under the impression oh. that she was not allowed to receive communion because of the quote unquote, she was, she was filed. So the, there was a civil divorce. But she still maintained her commitment before Marrow God on the altar. Yeah. So she could have been receiving. She could have been receiving for years. And that, that you know, I literally cried when I distributed yeah. Holy Communion to her for the first time. And she was overwhelmed and wept. This was at a, this was at a, a mission that I preached. Oh, I can only uh, imagine the tears. Oh, I needed two hankies. <laughs> two hankies. Two hankies. I got well, a box I only of hope the angels administer her, administered to her, you know, throughout that ordeal. It was gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, it was absolutely gorgeous. So yeah, there's, and that's why. So yeah, so if having the conversation with your priest, having the conversation with your pastoral ministers, your deacons at your parish to have these conversations because you Tell may, your situation. Yeah, you, yeah. You, we need yeah. to know your situation, and we need we need to be able to help you. You know. And that's what we're there for. And it may take a little bit of time, but in the big picture of things, mm-hmm. you know, it's worth it. So a spouse who is divorced, who is not remarried and remain chaste, can continue to receive uh, the Eucharist. Yes. 
a Catholic who was in a validly uh, contracted marriage who gets a divorce, a civil divorce and remarried cannot, mm -hmm. cannot receive communion. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's certain places and certain things, Germany, that want to change that. Um, but that's not okay. And, and I think if that ever really gets pushed through in the church, that could be grounds for a schism because that just, that's, people want to push forward for that because it would solve so many pastoral issues and make mm -hmm. priest jobs easier, but it's no bueno. That's what's, not okay. What's different? I guess the vow of a like professed vow of like a religious sister or even the vow that you make, um, you know, you see priests leave the priesthood and, 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 and nuns or whatever, leave, leave the convent. You know, what's different? about their vow. I mean, obviously they're marrying God or the church, but like, what's different about their vow to where that's so easily. It's not, it's not yeah. easy. Okay. I mean, and, but it's and, also the sac the nature of the sacrament that they received, whether it's a vow, not sacramental or ordination, the nature of that ordination is not the same as the ordination of marriage. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the prenuptial questionnaire prior to you entering into nuptials, there is a question that clearly identifies have you made a perpetual vow yeah, in a public, okay. you know, in a, in a religious institution? Have you ever been ordained a priest or a bishop? Yeah. Have you ever? So you're going through all of these various impediments because ultimately you have to go through the process of laicization if you are going to do it right. And the church doesn't want to speed up that process. No, like if you're struggling in your vocation of priesthood. There's and, some good men who were priests who discerned after a long time of priesthood, that it'd be better for them to be laicized and mm -hmm. then to enter into uh, a marriage. Mm -hmm. And there's some good priests, and there's also some priests who don't go about it the right way. Mm -hmm. But that 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 happens. It happens, and it's it's life, it's humanity, and there's always a road for everybody. And and that's the thing. That's why the conversation Not must you, be Richie, there. No one wants you. Only Jesus. <laughs> that's true. That's why I'm only a Jesus bro. wants you. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. But, you know, there's always a path for each one of us, and that's the beauty of it, and that's why having the conversation is so essential, and to walk slowly, you know, to walk slowly is something that, that you know, yeah, the church, the Catholic church is going to have expectations for your preparation for marriage, but, you know, that should enrich the overall process of your prep as well yeah. as enrich your whole marriage mm -hmm. because you aren't going to be entering into it ignorantly. You're going to be entering into it with a certain sense of this is a commitment for my life. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest factors in divorce now, 41% of all first marriages fail. Um, 41%. That's crazy. Was, well, you well, weren't in marriage. I wasn't married. You weren't married. Thank you. Quick, you got you to quit beating yourself like up on that. 50% of all marriages <laughs> fail. 50% of all marriages fail, but 41% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, and 73% of all third marriages fail. Wow. You 73% of third, the third yeah, time. Yeah, but by the Come third on, time, man. yeah. Yeah, but those aren't marriages. I'm, A lot of those aren't marriages, right? They're, well, civil, they're, like, they're like the one that I was in. I know. So I, they're not technically marriages. I know a guy who was married five times. And he was married to the same woman. He calls her. He calls her thirty-five or twenty-four because he was married to her two and four. He had a first marriage. Oh my gosh. Married one woman, divorced her, got married again, remarried number two, divorced her again. Now he's on like five or six, right? But when Lord you get into that mercy. habit, marriage becomes cheap to you. Marriage just becomes dating. It's not really. It's weird. Yeah. I don't even know what marriage is in that in that yeah. perspective. 
It's nothing. Well, it's, it's like, like a, a society. I think part of it for me, it was like, it's, it's kind of societal. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, oh, we're in love or whatever. And you're, you know, it's just all great. And you're like, well, that's just gotta be the next step. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's me telling you, I love you more. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It's one. No, you hang up first. No, you hang yeah, up first. Yeah, yeah. So, I've never done that before. <laughs> so I can the, hear you breathing. <laughs> the five professions with the highest divorce rates are dancers, which I can only assume what kind of dancers. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm figuring not. I'm guessing. Yeah. I'm figuring it's talking like line dancers at the local. Uh, there show. may or may not be poles involved. Right. Polish people have what? Yes. Oh, poles. The, polka. the poles. The poles. Yeah. Uh, bartenders. <laughs> 43% of dancers, their marriages end in divorce. Bartenders, 38.4%. Massage therapists, 38%. Gaming cage workers. I don't even know what that is. Probably yeah. casinos. No, game, right? Gaming cage oh, workers. Oh, maybe. Oh, yeah. No. oh yeah, that yeah, is casino casinos. workers. Yeah. Um, but those are the people that are in the behind the cage. Yeah, and yeah. then gaming service workers, so probably yeah. the other mm. people. Yeah. It's, it's the whole casino environment. Now, the five professions with the lowest divorce rate. Yeah, but you didn't even talk about active duty military. Oh, Mark, gosh. That's not on here. Oh, that's like, it's right. Oh, bro. It's like, probably right below seals? that. It's probably right below No, that. like the it's SEALs active duty yeah. is like 85%. Really? Active duty SEALs. Oh, it's it's so high in, in the military. It's, oh, yeah. It's astronomical. Yeah. But that's why I love working with a military. A lot of them get benefits and stuff mm -hmm. like that, too. And so a lot of it's driven by... Mm -hmm. And a lot know, of that. separation, a lot... Yeah, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, a lot of separation. I mean, a lot of it's just genuine, like, struggle with, with you know, being separated. Life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the professions with the lowest divorce rates. Farmers. Podiatrists. Mm. I guess... Foot doctor. Ooh. I don't know why. Clergy. Hey, hey! Yeah, you ain't getting no divorce. <laughs> uh, we're talking about Father Father Justin, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, optometrists and agricultural engineers. That's weird. Mm -hmm. I was thinking talk show hosts, but whatever. Well, Catholic talk show hosts, right? Yeah. You're really lowering our average, right? Yeah. Now, I've been married for 17 years. Yeah. Wow. Hi, Kelly. 17 years. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. I'm not even 40 yet, and I've already been married for 17 years. Um. <laughs> But you're you're lowering the average to fifty percent of all Catholic talk. Well, no, it'd be yeah one third of all Catholic talk show marriages end in divorce no, because of you. It wasn't a marriage. It wasn't a marriage. It wasn't now, a marriage. You're, now you're defeated. And the thing is, and the thing is, is like I guarantee you, the marriages in the Catholic Church that are not that dissolve or go into divorce, the quote marriages. I guarantee there's a defective. There's just something wrong with them entering into it. That was not uncovered in this mm -hmm. process. A lot of those divorces probably would be annulled. That's what I'm thinking. They probably would have. That's and, what I'm and, thinking. And I think that's what Francis was saying in that comment earlier, which I disagree with. Sorry, Holy Father. But I think that what he's saying is that a lot of people are unnecessarily removed from the church because they had had a divorce. Yep. And that if they would just talk to their priests mm -hmm. and yep. to the tribunals, that a lot of them would see that their initial marriages, because they were so improperly formed and catechized, were not validly contracted marriages, and they probably could become married in the church and get their marriage recognized and come back to the church. Yeah, and you think about, like, maybe somebody with Down syndrome or something like that, or somebody who has some sort of impairment uh, physically, um, like where the church, you know, lands on that. You know, I mean, well, then, then well if there's an impairment have, yeah. or if there's, you know, like if there's impotence, for example, 
Like th- those are clear grounds for an nullity. Yeah. I mean, if you can't consummate the marriage, it okay. has never been consummated. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's two other things that are, I guess, grounds for annulment. There's the Petrine privilege and the Pauline privilege. Mm-hmm. Now, these are always been a little bit hard to, I guess, explain for yeah. me mm-hmm. or to understand. Do you have any mm-hmm. grasp of them? Well, because I have, a, I have a handy little chart. Well, good. Let's go the, to the this chart. This should make it easier Teachers for us. Teachers and benefits of <laughs> the Patron as opposed to the Pauline. So, so and one, I, I mean, it's it's in relationship to people who converted to the faith. That's that's, that's basically what yeah, both of them it's are. A, yeah. It's like a uh, like some sort of uh, you know, if this, then if this, that, then, right. and then this, and you have to you have to consider, especially when uh, when this was being applied pastorally, how many people were converting to Catholicism, how many people were converting to Christianity. It's still happening now, and it's still happening now. But like, and, and I mean, we we're talking about like staunch pagans or yep. staunch, you know. Um, other other types of practices or no faith whatsoever. Yeah, I think the paganism one that you're talking mm-hmm. to is definitely the Pauline privilege. Yes. So the Pauline privilege would be an an unbaptized person marries another person who is also unbaptized. The non-baptized of both can be proven. The marriage ends in a civil divorce. The unbaptized person desiring a Catholic marriage wants to be baptized as a Catholic. The privilege takes place at the time of the new marriage. So because they were both unbaptized, but they were civilly divorced, but he wants to now enter the church and marry a Catholic, mm-hmm. he can be baptized. And because of that baptism, he can then enter into mm-hmm. a new mar- into a marriage validly. And, you know, I, I was trying to work a Pauline uh, privilege a while back, and it's challenging to identify proof the person was not baptized and granted you can get testimonies from the parents or whatever, but it's, it's challenging. Like I can prove I was baptized, even if I don't have the certificate, the church burnt down, you know, or any of those other circumstances, um, because say I have a picture, you know, um, of you not being baptized? No, of being baptized. Like it's easier to prove that like water's bouncing off his forehead. Here's me next to it. <laughs> my brother-in-law and my sister and my brother-in-law got an annulment, and uh, my brother-in-law actually qualified for the Pauline privilege, mm-hmm. and he had to have it sent to Rome, and it was sent back and confirmed. And mm-hmm. uh, he's never remarried. My sister's remarried, but they can both validly receive. I was actually his um, after the after their divorce. I was actually his RCIA sponsor. Oh wow! And kind of. He's like, you know, after the divorce, cool. he's having a hard time. I mean, they, my sister and him still get along great, mm-hmm. but um, that was that was an interesting process. Yeah. Now, so that's the Pauline privilege. Now, the Petrine privilege, uh, it's called Pauline because it's in reference to 1 Corinthians and Paul making an exception where he says, I, Paul, say, and he's basically making an accommodation for pagans who the former pagan spouse wouldn't go along for the trip. Now, the Petrine privilege is not based on St. Peter, but is based on the chair of St. Peter on the mm-hmm. Pope. And a baptized Christian marries an unbaptized person. The non-baptism of the one spouse can be proven. The marriage ends in divorce. In that case, the baptized person can petition the Pope, and the Pope can personally set aside that marriage. Mm-hmm. That's the Petrine privilege. So those are both kind of the... Uh, those are the advanced trigonometry of annulments, right? <laughs> trigonometry. Trigonometry in the tribunal. That's it. Trigonometry, tribunal, in the tribunal. trigonometry. <laughs> so 
what a couple factors that lead to divorce. Um, I think one of the biggest factors that you'll see, and I think over 75% of all divorces cite this as a factor is pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, and for our listeners, you know, if your marriage is struggling with pornography or you are struggling with pornography and it's affecting your marriage, there's uh, one of our sponsors covenant eyes. They have a really excellent, uh, program that helps people overcome pornography. Or if you don't have a pornography problem, it helps you never develop one in the first place. And it's an app that allows for the accountability of a person um, to avoid the temptation of pornography, which is destroying marriages, uh, destroying people's libidos, destroying people's uh, self-worth and their image of God. So if you go to covenanteyes.com forward slash uh, covenanteyes.com and you use the promo code talk show, you get 30 days free of Covenant Eyes. Talk, right? Catholic talk. Catholic talk. Yeah. Catholic talk. Use the promo mm -hmm. code Catholic, Catholic talk. talk. So mm -hmm. covenanteyes.com, use the promo code Catholic talk and get 30 days free of coming in eyes. Yep. Mm -hmm. right. And another option too, I mean, Exodus 90 is a fantastic program for men. That is. And one one of the stipulations is that you would not use internet or your computer, tablet, yeah. phone mm -hmm. for any other use but for business and among other types of austere practices. And it renews your masculinity and gets you gets you going and, mm -hmm. and revs those engines. So that plus covenant eyes is a, a wonderful yeah. way. And and both of them are based in accountability. So yeah. check out Exodus 90 for yeah. sure. Our sponsors are out there. We've got some pretty awesome yeah. sponsors. I yeah. wouldn't take any other sponsors, any no. old sponsors. I mean, they're people that are actually, those are groups that are actually in line with what we're trying to do, which is to educate people and through practical knowledge and application, make better mm -hmm. Christians and better uh, marriages and better lives. And the hope is that it's supporting, you know, That's like right. I know when, when I'm here with you guys, it's a huge support. I mean, our conversation last night, you know, it was just so supportive to me and my priesthood and, and my journey. And I hope that I'm providing that same sense of support to you guys as married men. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always a joy to come out here and, and shoot these shows and, you know, to know that we're, you know, receiving your support in prayer as well, and that this is providing you a supportive you know, and, and nurturing platform, like that's just, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, so before we get going, mm -hmm. I've got an inquisition for you. Oh no. Uh -huh. I say null and void. Mm -hmm. Null and void? <laughs> yes. He's you, the tribunal. You, you don't get to make that. <laughs> you do not get to make that assessment yet. <laughs> okay. This is a pretty easy one, but I think it's just understanding how different scenarios work out. Um, can a man marry can a man? Can a man, man right, love so a woman? Stay focused. You're trying to sing your tap dance your way out of this. It's not going to work. It will work. You're shucking and jiving, boy. <laughs> yes. Can a man marry his widow's sister? Can his man? Can a man marry his widow's sister? Now is is she is he of the same blood or is it like? A half no. is no, it it's like a, it's his widow's sister. Different. It's his widow's sister. It's not, yeah, yeah. not this is an incest thing here. His sister's widow. No. Ah. <laughs> he caught it. All right, you got it. <laughs> you like presenting these things to I me. I do. I caught so you this obviously, time. Though. What's the answer? Absolutely. Not. Thank <laughs> you. And why not? For anyone who hasn't caught on yet? Because. She's not alive. <laughs> no, a man, a man cannot marry his widow's, widow's sister because that would mean it's, he made the widow. It means he's dead, so he can't marry the widow's oh sister because he's dead. It's another paradox. It's another it's paradox, paradox in the mind a, of Sheil. Yeah, 
You hey, just present these obscure things. Y'all. That was good. Good job. Hey, recognizing dude. that. Hey, man. He just went through his checklist in his head. He's like, yeah. marriage, pre-cana, pre-cana. <laughs> Tribunal. Just mailing this one in. Aha. Ah. <laughs> good job. I'm impressed. Thank you, my friend. And thank you guys for joining with us again. CatholicTalkShow.com. Follow us on Facebook and also Instagram as well as Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. God bless. Stick together. Yeah.